I'm so excited to introduce you to one of my new great friends in the field, Mary Kay Cachero. She is a LMFT and has been working with couples and families for over 30 years in her private practice in West Los Angeles. She is deeply passionate about helping couples improve their communication skills, deepen their connection, resolve conflict, rediscover joy of being together. And she offers weekly sessions, private things. She does premarital counseling. She's just, she is so wise and has so much to offer. Uh, and I'm really excited to introduce you to her and everything that she does in this space. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host, giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship, and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally, I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. Mary Kay Cachero, thank you so much for joining. I am really excited to talk to you. You've been at this for a little bit of time, and uh, and, and I'm sure you have so much to share about how to improve relationships. Uh, and I want to just jump right into it. First of all, how long have you been, you know, do, focusing primarily on couples and relationship counseling? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, John. It's a pleasure. And I like when you said a little bit of time. That was sweet. <laughs> but actually, it's been about 33 years that I've been a couples therapist in Los Angeles. And prior to that, I was in Texas, in Houston. Oh, wow. So I've really been a, a psychologist, psychotherapist about 35 years. And um, probably about 30 years ago, transitioned into seeing couples um, almost primarily. I would say about 98% of my clients are couples. And what made you decide or what made you kind of steer towards working with couples? Two things, really. Um, when I was in Houston, I was at the Child Guidance Clinic, and all of our uh, families were coming through the court system, lots of abuse, lots of neglect. And I had an hour a week with these very traumatized children. And I was beginning to realize that while well, play therapy is, is really nice, if you only have the ability to influence a child's life for an hour or two each week without really being able to work with the parents or the adults in that child's life, that you weren't going to make much of a dent in the family system. So I started, um, I was a bit of a renegade. I started inviting in parents to a child guidance clinic, which back in the day was kind of unheard of. We were only supposed to work with the children. So I started really working with parents uh, and became more systemic in the way that I was working with the family. And then when I moved back to Los Angeles, because I had just been in Houston for the internship and the postgraduate fellowship, when I moved back to Los Angeles, um, I started realizing that I only wanted to work with the couples. So I went through advanced training. I was certified about 28 years ago in Imago Relationship Therapy, which is one of the leading modalities for working with couples. 
and then from there also got certified in counter-centered couples therapy. And so I have these two advanced trainings to work with couples, and unlike a lot of my colleagues who get the MFT after their name and literally get no training in marriage, uh, it's it's really a specialty of mine, and the subspecialty being premarital counseling, and I also got a lot of training to do that through the Catholic Church. They were referring a lot of couples to me before marriage, so I, I just kept training, and I, I like to think that my my office here has been like a living laboratory for me because each couple who's walked through the door is talking something more, right? So I've done a lot of training and supervising and mentoring of other therapists into the field, uh, therapists who, you know, like me, had gone through graduate school and licensure and never seen a couple and never really had much formal instruction on couples therapy. So through training people, I've learned more. Seeing couples, I've learned more. And then I do have these two formal certifications. It's so interesting the way you phrased it. And one common thing that I've seen, and it's interesting because I, I talk to relationship experts of different ilks on this show. So some of them are, a lot of them are therapists like yourself. Some of them are divorce attorneys, but the kind of the common thread with therapists that at least I talk to is there's a constant desire or yearning to learn. So when you say every couple teaches you something, it's kind of indicative of the mentality and probably why you've been so successful for over 30 years in the field. Um, you mentioned that you have two specialties. So why don't you talk a little bit about you know, why you decided to get a second specialty um, after having one for so many years? Yeah, well, they're not so completely different, and so it happened organically, John. Um, I was certified as an Imago relationship therapy therapist, and as you said, therapists are always seeking. They're always seeking more training, more learning, and, you know, we we work with humans, and humans are endlessly fascinating and ever-changing, ever-growing, ever-expanding, and so to really keep up your understanding of how to work with people is you know, just what therapists do. It's one of the things I like about being a therapist is that we're all in this seeking mode all the time. My husband jokes, he goes, don't we know enough yet? You have to go to another conference. <laughs> Which really, I think it is the, the name of the game when you're a therapist. But a lot of my Imago relationship therapy training was with a woman named Haiti Schleifer. And Haiti was a master trainer, globally renowned, for Imago for many, many years. And she began adding different things from her own thinking, her own marriage of 70-some years, her own Judaic tradition, um, studying Martin Buber, who's an Austrian Jewish philosopher. She started morphing not the underlying theoretical pinnings of Imago, but the methodology. She started shifting the methodology, and it got to the point mm -hmm. where she walked away from Imago and started encounter-centered couples therapy. So because I had already done a lot of Imago training with her, and because her work resonated with me, just in terms of my personality and the way I see things, I just sort of followed her into that, 
and then when she formalized the um, certification process in that model, it was a three-year program that I flew to Miami and did. And that was probably 12 years ago or so. You so, actually stayed there for three years or was it a remote like back, back and, forth? and forth a lot. And wow. the, the craziest thing is when people say, did you love Florida? The <laughs> only thing I saw during those trainings was the airport Marriott. I would check it. <laughs> for like eight days, we would go from eight in the morning till eight at night. Uh -huh. We'd eat in the hotel, sleep in the hotel, train in the hotel. Then I'd get on the plane and come home. Like, I, I don't that know anything so about Miami. <laughs> Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. Uh, it sounds like there was a lot to learn. I'm going to look into it. I, I'll, I'll admit I don't know much about encountered centered couples therapy. I almost became an Orthodox rabbi. I'm married to an MFT who's now getting her PsyD, and oh, so and so I think there's some. And the reason I got into it is because people kept kind of asking me for help uh, when I was when I was on that rabbinic path. And I learned very yeah. early on that in order to be effective, I had to be somewhat spiritually agnostic. But the, the kind of the lessons and the philosophies, you can't really it's like, you know, you can't just leave it at home. It does. It yeah. becomes a part of your identity and informs what you do. Sure. What I mean, tell me more about it. What makes Encountered Center yeah. Couples Therapy so transformational? Yeah, and it is transformational. In fact, she calls it, Haiti calls it, Encounter-Centered Couples Transformation. It's ECCT. Um, you, I think, John, would really love it and be drawn to it because Haiti has a very strong um, Judaic background and is very spiritual. In fact, she's one of the truly charismatic humans that I have ever met. She is a really fascinating woman. And if you watch, um, I don't know if you watch a lot of TED Talks, but yeah. she does have one. It's oh, called great. the power. It's called the power of connection. Power uh, of connection. She filmed it. It's one of the twenty-two minute ones. She filmed it back in Tel Aviv a number of years ago, but it's truly lovely. And so I would recommend that to anyone. And you know, Imago is a brilliant modality. Um, Harville Hendricks and his wife, Helen LaKelly Hunt, printed Getting the Love You Want over 30 years ago. And it's very powerful sure. work, and it's a strong communication model. But I feel like Katie's work has sort of taken the communication part of that, added a lot of what we know now through neuroscience and what's actually going on in the various parts of our brain, how healing really occurs, and how we can use the biology of connection in couples therapy to create what most couples say they want when they pick up the phone and call a therapist. They want to learn how to communicate better. They want to deepen their emotional and physical connection. They want to resolve conflict, but they want to know how to do it in a way that keeps them in connection because the way they're doing it at home is creating a lot of disconnection and loneliness. Sure. You know, nobody wants yeah, to be in yeah. marriage. So Haiti's work is truly just beautiful and she she talks about there being four levels of learning um at the base level there's and i'm saying this because it has to do with the way i train other therapists to become ecct therapists but it also has to do with what the couples learn from you in therapy and at the very base level it's like okay i heard it maybe i took some notes but nothing soaked in 
at a deeper level, it's okay, I learned a tool or a skill, but when I leave your office, I don't really know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of therapians there. Um, at, a, <laughs> at an even deeper level, it's there's a tool, there's a skill, I'm using it, and it's making my life better. Most therapists would count that as a win. But Haiti, does, yeah. but Haiti does not. Haiti says that's not enough. We have to go to the fourth level of learning, which is I heard it, I took notes, I've got the skill, I'm able to use it, and I am transformed. Now that I know this, I will never be the same again. I cannot go back. You know, it's not just a tool I use here and there. I am literally different. It becomes part of your character. Yeah. It becomes part of who you are. It, it, yeah, and the conditions for that are a bit of a mystery. Um, what we do is try to create the environment in which that kind of learning can occur, and we know a lot about what that is, um, and I can tell you more about that if you'd like, but that the intention of the work is to always coach couples into transforming each other because when they can do that they transform the space between them which is where the relationship lives and it changes it changes and they don't need to be in therapy with you forever consulting on every little thing that comes up because they have changed the very quality of their relational space and so they can work through things in a different way moving forward that's so interesting i you know, it's you're right. I would respond to this on a personal level. I I have as a coach, I do things like meditation because there is that big gap between learning something cognitively and making it part of your character and creating those environments. I've experimented with different practices. Tell me more about how the space is made. In is it ECCT? Is that is that am I getting the acronym yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well. The first thing is, I would say, I don't, um, and I know this is a radical thing to say for a therapist, but I don't go, I don't go to where the couple is. I invite them to come to where I am. So in a it way, totally neuro- opposite of the way most of us have been taught about it. Absolutely. If you think about it, couples want to come in and complain about each other and tell you what's wrong with the other guy and if only he would and if only she couldn't and you know it's it's the they come in with this mindset that they are going to sit on my sofa and dump the problem of the week or month or year uh into the space and then somehow magically the therapist is going to mediate that and make it all better and i actually don't believe that couples therapy is problem solving Right. I think if all you do is solve a couple's problem, it'll only be a week or two until they'll come in with a new problem. Yeah. I think the goal is really to help couples create a sacred space between them where they can approach whatever is going on in their lives in a way that they are compassionate and respectful and bonded to one another so that they create a little bubble around themselves that is their couplehood. And, you know, I I don't know why, but it seems that uh, there are a lot of reasons, but it seems like we live in a culture that's a fairly narcissistic one. We are pretty eye-driven. You know, it's, it's, you even hear things like, well, I can't love you because I don't love me. Well, (laughs) 
love somebody else first. You know, that's we're born <laughs> in connection. We, we, you know, we, we come into the world in connection. We get disconnected, which is our suffering. And we heal by being reconnected. So connection is very in the middle of what we do in ACCT. So, you know, I think when a couple first comes in, I shock them a little bit because one of the things I've learned is that if I let, if I say how, what brings you here or how was your week, mm-hmm. I'm going to hear nothing but problems. And I think there's a distinction between who people are in their essence, in their core being, and who they are when they've pulled on their defensiveness, their survival suit, as Haiti calls it, you know, what we learn to do when we feel threatened in the space between. Well, I'm so much less interested in who you are there. I want to get to know who you really are and what you're dreaming of. So we start... We start at the beginning with really establishing what Haiti calls the wildest dream. I think of it as the deepest uh, intention for the relationship, the highest aspiration. And we really ferret that out. We get that down. We, we really uh, work with that to make it quite a large dream. And as the couple comes into the session and begins to think about that, like, why are we here? Why are we fighting for this marriage? What is it that we're trying to create together? It gives us a direction, and I think energy follows intention. So if we pay attention to that intention, then we can begin to build on that. It also gives me something to refer back to. When a couple is engaging in an interaction that is below anything that's going to get them to that dream, I can point that out. Is this going to get you to that place of trust and respect that you told me was so important to you. Or when I teach them a new way to be, I can point back to, ah, tell me about the space between you right now. And they say, well, it feels warm, it feels connected, it feels friendly. Oh, that sounds consistent with what you said you were here to do. So it gives us a way to know where we're going in a way. And it's really exciting. I mean, there's not cry when they hear the other one's articulation of the dream. Right. It kind of takes them back to the beginning as to why they're together in the first place. Yeah, that's so, what okay. I was going to say. Like it was, it seems like there's, it, it helps them come up with such an exciting goal to kind of move towards as opposed to what I call just fetch therapy where they come and complain and complain and nothing feels like it gets solved. Yeah. They might get a little bit of relief, but there's this shared, and eventually, I, I assume, once they both share their vision of what they want, there's a common ground, and it becomes a shared goal. And so they immediately have a sense of teamwork that they're kind of joined in forces with. Right. And then the second thing we do with them is shocking, because I invite them then to have their worst conversation. So we've really gone through the dream and we know what the essence of each person is and what they're hoping to create, like you said, as a team or a unit. But then I say, we're going to shift gears and we're going to have a 10-minute or 12-minute exercise where you take your toughest conversation, your worst one, the one that really gets you going, where you get triggered, where you're not your best self, the one you can never resolve, the one that just makes you ah with each other. And we're going to have it, but only for 10 minutes. And when I say stop, we're going to stop, we're going to back out, we're going to look at it differently. 
And, you know, I say it's not a role play. Take something that's real for you. I don't care what it's about. And I really don't even listen to the content because I'm watching the process. I'm watching the process. So this begins to allow me in a very short period of time to cut through sessions and sessions and sessions of kvetching, as you put it, because I get to see the process in the moment right there in front of me. Whose energy expands? Who's the fighter? Whose energy constricts? Who's the turtle that goes in the shell and shuts down? If they do one minute of fighting and nine minutes of sitting in the sofa in silence, then I know what's wrong here. They can't they both shut down. They can't bring it up. If mm-hmm. they escalate, 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 and it begins to get louder and louder and somebody runs from the room, well, then I know we have two fighters in the room. So what I'm looking for there is what have these two individuals learned in their lives as children and every year since then? What have they learned to survive when things feel threatening to them emotionally? What have they learned to do? And as mammals, we don't have that many choices. We can fight, we can flee, we can freeze, we can submit. There aren't that many choices. And we don't consciously choose. But we go. our brain goes to the one that has worked the best for us in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. So in that 10 minutes, I'm finding out about their adaptive strategies. I'm seeing where the problem in their communication and relating is. I'm learning a ton about their families of origin, and we haven't even talked about mom and dad yet. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting piece of work. And what's really nice is it's a beautiful, strong ju- juxtaposition for them because we were in essence. And then I say to them, this is not you. This is your survival suit. Haiti calls it the universal dance of survival. It's what couples do all around the world at every socioeconomic level when they feel threatened by the other. And you do this all in the first session? Well, I do long sessions. Let me just tell you that. Okay. Um, So the first session is two hours. Okay. Most of my couples do come for two hours. Some of them come for three. I will do the shortest 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I also do all-day intensives where couples will come from nine to six, one or two days in a row. Because the work is quite structured and each uh, exercise is kind of built on the one before it. So like when I do a weekend couples retreat or I do a private intensive with a couple all day for two days, what's beautiful about that is that we're not stopped by the clock. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're there and we need to go deeper, we've got the time to do it. And we, we go, we, I try to balance the intention so that we go very deep. We go into childhood, then we come back up to the present. We take a break. We write in notebooks. We do a little fun thing. We come back. You know, but we've got the time to really allow the process to happen. Now, I do see a lot of couples week to week, 90 minutes, two hours, and that's different, you know, because sometimes they just get a little piece of something and then they have to go home and hopefully they deepen it. Sometimes they undo it. We have to start over, you know, so it's a different pacing. Right. And personally, I love the longer chunks of time. The work, as you can imagine, John, is slow because we're letting things really sink in. I think oh, sure. the neuroscience tell us it takes about six times longer to really metabolize your, your, your partner's message than it does just to hear the words in your brain. 
So it's slower, and people will sometimes say, why is this so slow? And I say, it's not slow, it's attuned. And attunement is what none of us got enough of as children. So when our partner shows up and they're looking in our eyes and they're saying, tell me more, and they've got that eager face, like you're the yummiest thing on the face of the earth and I can't wait to hear more from you, things begin to heal in our limbic brains. Those memories begin to shift. So it's a very, um, in my mind, it's unique in this way. How does this change when you're in a retreat with small groups of maybe five or six couples and you're not just dealing with one couple at a time? I do deal with one couple at a time. So on the retreats, um, if I, the most I've ever taken is six couples. I like five. Some of that is a function mm -hmm. of the house we do it in. It's a very beautiful retreat site up in Montecito and it has eight bedrooms, but I like each couple to have their own bedroom and bath, and I bring one assistant, so there's a therapist for each couple. So the way that it's structured, John, is that we're in a circle, and I take um, a demonstration couple, somebody volunteers to do the process with me, and so I am working with you know two people facing each other and me on the side coaching. We're all very close in proximity. and. I work with them while the others watch. Then we do some, what did you notice? What did you learn? Where are your questions? Then we break off and everyone goes with their partner and an ECCT therapist to do that piece of work. Then we come back to the group. What did you learn? How did that go? What are your questions? Uh, a lot of real strong appreciation for the process. and. And then we go into another process with a different demonstration couple Then everybody breaks up and goes and does it. But nobody just goes and tries to replicate what they've only seen once. They go with a seasoned ECCT therapist. Got it. So in that so way, it's learning, not group. Right, but you're still learning from the other couples, but it's not in the classic conventional sense of a group session or anything like that. Yeah, you learn from the other couples. They learn from the other couples. And the synergy that gets created is astonishing. Like, I remember the first time I did one of these retreats, it was they meet on Friday evening. They come from all over the place, different walks of life, different ages, different circumstances. We had a couple that was premarital. We had one that had been married 50 years. We had one that was recovering from sex addiction. We had one that was pretty solid but wanted to get better. You know, just everything. And by Sunday, the break on Sunday afternoon, I walked into the dining room and four of the couples, four of the five couples, are sitting around a table with their laptops open, pounding. I go, what are you guys doing? And they said, oh, we're buying airline tickets. One of the couples had a house in the Philippines and they'd known each other for two days and were planning this big trip to the Philippines together. Wow. There is so much support and bonding that happens in that retreat experience. And as far as I know, I'm the only one who does it this way. Uh, some of my other ECCT colleagues, including Heidi Schleifer, uh, will do like a weekend in a hotel. But I have managed to avoid that by going to this house because I think it's a more... Uh, 
I think it's a deeper experience when everyone stays in the same house and eats together. Because when mm-hmm. you go to a hotel, you do the work, you're in the conference room, time's up, 6 p.m., everybody scatters, goes and has dinner on their own at restaurants, sleeps in their own rooms, you know, doesn't see each other at all. But in the house, people stay up late, they sit in the jacuzzi, they meet up in the kitchen, they get up early for breakfast, we do couples yoga, we go on hikes, you know, so they're together a lot. And I think it makes a difference. I think it's a brilliant model. I, I think it's, so I think so too. It's not. <laughs> I mean, it sounds completely transformational. It's like a, it's like two years of therapy tr- crammed into two days. <laughs> it is a lot of therapy, and I say we go we go uh, vertical rather than horizontal. Yeah, you can spread it out over a long period of time, but this is pretty intensive. Uh, and of course, people need some follow up and some support when they leave because it's it's a lot all at once and. My experience is that couples honeymoon for a couple of weeks with the material, like there literally are some chemicals, those falling in love chemicals that come on board from the retreat and from the Mm -hmm. intensives. And then they start to wear off and people are like, oh, I've kind of like, we feel transformed, but we want to be sure we can, you know, keep it up. And so then we, you know, try to write in some follow-up sessions for them as well. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense just to kind of have a little bit of continuity of care there <laughs> if needed. Yeah, so I'm, trying, I'm trying to put together another one for the last weekend in March up in Montecito. And the woman who owns the house sent me pictures yesterday of um, the flooding that is taking place. <laughs> she got evacuated from this house and it was like this oh, much no. water. In the- yeah. So this is Mon- this is California, right? So, um, but you know, the, the current dates on my uh, website are from March 31st through April 2nd. And I'm also talking to some people in Florida about possibly doing one on the East Coast this spring. Let's make sure everybody has, I'll put it in the show notes, but make sure everybody has that web address if you want to share it. Yeah, it's uh, mkcachero.com. MK Cachero and Cachero, in case you are listening to this and not seeing it, it's C-O-C-H-A-R-O. So MK Cachero. And uh, you also have some seminars or webinars for therapists who want to learn more about ECCT. Is that right? I do. um, I've done a number of these podcasts and I've done some teaching, uh, like, you know, institutes where people, you know, are training to be therapists. And prior to COVID, you know, that would mean getting in the car and driving to a classroom and riding on the board and everything. And then the only maybe silver lining in COVID is that we all got really good on Zoom. <laughs> and so yeah. I've been asked to do a lot of that in the last couple of years. And invariably, at the end of an hour or two hours or, you know, whatever it is, I've gotten emails saying, where can I learn more? And uh, Haiti Schleifer is not doing any more master classes. And so I spoke to her about it and I said, you know, you, you need to be teaching therapists how to do this work. It is so beautiful and so powerful and effective. And, you know, she just made some training videos. They're not out yet. Um, but she was very encouraging to have me start sharing this with, with other therapists. And because I've been getting these requests for people who want more, uh, yeah. And I have taught Imago in the past, but I really want to focus on ECCT now in my teaching. So I'm doing two free webinars. Um, 
just intro kind of teaser sort of things in February uh, to to see, you know, who shows up and whether or not they'd be interested in in an actual externship, which I will then, um, you know, sell. Yeah, (laughs) But that's the the plan. And so that is... uh, I have the dates here you told me, the 17th from 9 to noon, which is a Friday, and then you also have one on Thursday... February 23rd from 4 to 7 uh, p.m. Yeah. They're actually only so. two hours, so it'd be 9 to 11 and 4 to 6. But yes, those are the okay. correct dates. And because they'll be on Zoom, uh, we'll be able... The reason I staggered them that way is because I think some East Coast and European uh, therapists will be able to attend one and not the other because of the time difference. Right. They'll be the same, so there's no... and I. My plan is to uh, talk a little bit about the theory as, as we are today and then um, work live for 20 or 30 minutes with a couple uh, and then break into some uh, chat rooms to, uh, to see what you learned and what your questions are and, and you know, what, what it would mean to the individual therapist practice to have more training as a couples therapist because honestly John every time people ask me what kind of work I do and I say I'm a couples therapist I get a groan other therapists go oh you work really? with couples like it is the hardest thing yeah. on the face of the earth you know? and it's yeah. not easy if you're not if you don't have a relational paradigm to work from because if you're just you know in therapy we learn how to work intrapsychically with a person on the inside. And couples therapy requires inter-work. The work is in the space between the two people who are there. That's a relational paradigm. And if you haven't been trained in one, I think couples therapy is really hard. Yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw that when I was learning. I'm, I'm a big Gottman guy. And when I did my research on Rogerian therapy and how it doesn't work for couples therapy and only active listening goes so far, I mean, everything I, I kind of, you know, ran it by my wife is over 10 years ago. And she's like, yep, yep. That's why I was frustrated with it. And I, I totally hear you. I mean, I, uh, I had a startup with one of the co-founders from StubHub and I talked to over a thousand therapists and you're, oh, wow. you're spot on. Most of them were like, oh, don't do couples. Don't prefer them. If they come, I'll take them, but only if I need to and to stay on a panel or something. It's not... It's not embraced by the community as much as I wish it was because I feel like it's one of those things, as as you pointed out, the way your career started, it, it kind of is the crux of family systems and you're passing on these communication and, and, and different skills to children and it's, it becomes a generational issue at that point. Absolutely. And we always say that the children live in the space between their parents. And so when that space is polluted or worse toxic that the children are growing up in this toxic place and they don't have a lot of power to get out of it so they have to adapt and we used to call those adaptations neuroses (laughs) but (laughs) it really is adaptation right They're, they're learning their survival suit like what do i need to do to get through this family of origin And I think, wow, you know, if couples could learn how to keep that space sacred and safe, they would want to be there and be happier. But on top of that, the children that are in that space would grow up with less need for a strong, adaptive self. 
they could be more often in their essence, playful, joyful. Uh, so, you know, Harville Hendricks always says that imagotherapy is about healing the planet one couple at a time. And there's some truth to that because when a couple learns how to be together in this creative way, it, it spreads out to all their relationships with their children, yeah. with their bosses, with their friends, everywhere. Yeah. You know, so there will be a tipping point where enough people have learned how to do this and the world will be a more peaceful, joyful place. You know, look I at hope so. look at our yeah. <laughs> you know, look at countries and our political entities. Like we have no idea as people how to get along, how to be respectful, yeah. how to have passion, how to joyfully celebrate the other. We just spend all our time trying to get the other to be more like us. Right. There's no we do acceptance. It There's no we do it politically, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we've got all kinds of examples going on in the world right now in, in you know, different countries and our own to some extent. So, Unbelievable. You know, I think it's important work. It's important work. And uh, I just wanted to spread it out a little bit. So I'm going to start doing these trainings. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to see yeah. what happens. And there's so much more for us to talk about. We didn't even touch on your premarital counseling, which is all... I feel like it could be a whole other podcast, so we might have to have you come back if you have the time. Um, I I don't want to take any more of your time. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I did do a radio talk show on premarital counseling, and it is, you know, just to piggyback on the last thing I said, it's just an important thing to do because too many people make the commitment at a time where they are really still under the influence of those chemicals and hormones that get going when we fall in love and they're going to wear off and when they wear off <laughs> very quickly really <laughs> year or two right so it would be really nice for everyone to have some idea about how to earn that secure relationship with one another because it doesn't it doesn't stay for free for all that long as you pointed out so it's, it's a part of the work I really enjoy. I do um, one-day workshops for premarital couples, and I also do a four-session package. There's some research that shows that when couples do six hours of premarital therapy, they have 30% less divorce. Wow. So I took that, so I did that, I took that six-hour piece of research and broke it into four sessions. So it's four 90-minute sessions, which adds up to six hours. Mm-hmm. And then I added a discount for premarital couples. Right. And that's some of my favorite work. People are still hopeful at that stage. So it's easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. I can't thank you enough for your time. It was a uh, education and a half. Uh, again, the website is MK Cochero. That's M-K-C-O-C-H-A-R-O whether you're looking for counseling. I don't know if you're even taking on more clients at this point, or if you want to learn more about ECCT, I'm sure she'd be happy to uh, fill fill in the gaps of what you're looking for. And at least if she's busy, she might be able to refer you out to somebody as well, I'm sure. Um, Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. It was, it was wonderful talking to you. If you're interested in learning how to get the absolute most out of your romantic relationships, then you're in luck because I have put together a free workshop or masterclass, if you will, about three secrets 
that people in happy relationships have discovered. You can view the workshop at mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. Again, it's completely free. Just go there and watch it. It'll help you on your journey, give you some wisdom, some things to think about. The website again is mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. That's mrspirituality.com slash the number three, the word secrets. It's all yours. Enjoy. Enjoy.